Hello, everybody, and welcome to Carnivore Personnel Sideshow. This is Jacques. And this is Biff. So Biff reached out this week and he's like, hey, here's an idea for a sideshow, something we had mentioned in the past. And it's first of all, it's the typical Mount Rushmore of X, Y and C. In this case. And, and, and we'll we'll talk it out now about how we're going to go about it. Um, the one problem I have, even before we start, Biff, is there another term for Mount Rushmore? That means Mount Rushmore and everybody knows without saying Mount Rushmore, because I think over the last umpteen yeah, years, it has I, a bad I, history, right? I, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, we're talking three, th- three out of the, no, two out of the four slave owners. And uh, well, not just that, but, um, you know, the, you know, where it is. And I don't know if you oh, know right. how it happened also. Like, yeah, yeah. That, uh, 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 on stolen land. Well, not just that, but um, so there's that part of it. And then there's a whole history about why it was created and how how they got the funding for it, which is another um, so kind of a side recommendation. If you could get hands on um, on the, a Robert Wool, uh, who you may remember from the Tim Burton Batman series, um, he did a, a show about American history, and so um, on HBO. So it's a great show. I'm trying to remember the. Uh, the uh, name of it. So I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find that name for another time. But if you can find that show, it's just, you know, he basically tells you the real history that uh, that is often masked by the kind of the so-called, I don't know, the popular history for lack of better term. Yeah, so, no, no, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, we, Oh, we, yeah, we, and the, yeah, the name of the show is Assume the Position. Oh, okay. I, I, position. I, will, I will check that out because, yeah. If you can find it, it, yeah. You know, you know, Stolen Land, dubious dubious accounting slave owners and and, and now it, like one of the worst governors in the worst you know what i mean it's like yeah it oh, has yeah. such but, but but the problem is everybody knows what you're talking about right, when you say right, the right. mount rushmore this yeah so we gotta find another you, you, sure. you, you, you know a last supper or something yeah. <laughs> i don't know that's yeah that's 12 number yeah whatever but, okay. but until we do that so what we're gonna do is and, and how I had first read it, and maybe I, I I was going in a tiny a different direction, but at, on the same path, is we're gonna talk. You know, I don't know if you want to talk best or favorite because I broke it down. It does. It, does, it actually doesn't. You know what? I, I purposefully did not specify what Mount Rushmore means because you could define it however way you want. So I'm not gonna tell you what the ground rules for your selection is. Like we're going to, you know, you're going to decide and I'm going to decide how I came up with my four, you know, so that I right. think the, yeah, what it means. So we could, we could kind of, um, the idea is, is that I don't really care about saying that this is the proper definition for Mount Rushmore. We're just going to figure out what the, this is going to be more of a negotiation. Than okay. Anything else. And, and again, our musics are just very so much, but I think we also know enough about some of the yeah. bands that each other's like that you're like, oh yeah, I can definitely see why you put it on. Yeah, I, I expect I expect some crossover here. So, so yeah. here's what I want to do. I'm gonna yeah. just gonna throw out. Okay, stop. We're talking rhythm sections, and, and for the layman, basically that means the drummer and bass player. Essentially, right. the rhythm section is 
you know, yeah, you have a rhythm guitar player. Sometimes you got keyboard yeah. player, but essentially in rock, when you're talking to rhythm section, you're talking to the drummer and the bass player. And there are amazing bass players in great bands with really good drummers. There's amazing drummers with decent bass players. But, but what I went through is I went through, you know, kind of my honorable mentions, the people I like, and then here are the four people that when I really got into music, I'm like, wow. For, for, and we'll get into the different reasons, like you said, but I want to yeah. say, I think I agree. And, and the top 10 of anybody's bands, top 20, but let, I'm going to say top 10. As far as rhythm sections, we're not talking the singers or the right. guitarists, but the rhythm sections, and, and I, we'll probably agree, it's got to be the Who, Zeppelin, and, and, and Jimi Hendrix band. Mitch you know, Mitchell? Well, well. And 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 uh, re, uh, what was his name? Da, 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 Hendrix, Mitch Mitchell, and Noel Reading. Because no, no, yeah. And again, you know what Hendrix was doing with the guitar was just so unearthly and so fucked up and so next level. But these these were the guys that held down the fort, and they sure. didn't just hold down the fort going two to four. You know, they were able to keep pace with him. To, to set the boundaries, which he could then break and go outside. But when you, if you ever get to hear, you know, just isolated tracks of, of, of you know, no reading and Mitch Mitchell together, it's like, fuck. And, 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 and the funny story is Jimi Hendrix went to London to play a bunch of shows and Noel yeah. reading who was a guitar player in a couple bands of note. He was a studio musician. Yeah. He was a guitar player of note in London and his manager's like, Hey, I want you to come check out this guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you up to be his bass player. And I guess no reading was pissed, like furious, like insulted. Like you just slapped me in the face. Yeah. And his manager says, just come to the club yeah. and just, just check it out. Right. He was about, Halfway through his first song, yeah. when Noel leaned into his manager and said, please, please make me his bass player, <laughs> right. you know, um, but, but what are your thoughts on, on Zeppelin and the Who's rhythm sections? Well, I think I think so. Are we getting into our list already or well, no, we, but these are the ones just, I'm just going to pre discussions. Yeah, but I, we I, know I, I, this is yeah. this has to if you had a top 25, they would have to be on it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, th I think that um, so both of those guys are. Uh, so both Keith Moon, John Bonham are, I think, you know, foundational monsters, right? Those guys kind of laid the groundwork. Um, I think that uh, I, I personally find The Who to be somewhat overrated. <laughs> so I think I'm the wrong guy. to. I'm not going to dismiss the importance of Keith Moon, but uh, I think that some I think they're kind of, uh, you know, uh, overrated. Whereas I think, you know, John Bonham, as highly rated as he is, I think in many ways people kind of underappreciate why he is so great. I, I just think that I'm not a drummer and yet there's all these things that I hear from him that just like, you know, my God, I mean, he's one of the, you know, in, in terms of, you know, incorporating different elements into the, into the rock music, you know, uh, uh, sphere, you know, he, he's, you know, and that whole band was early, in doing that like they kind of did some of what the say what the Beatles did um and you know in, in incorporating other forms of music or other styles and whatever I, and certainly a lot of what the Beach Boys did but I mean Zeppelin I think just took it to a different level in terms of expanding what you know can be rock music right without being prog so. and again I mean 
Robert Plant is in a league of his own. Jimmy Page yeah. is in a yeah. league of his own. And Bonham, Jimmy Page, I also think overrated, but that's well, a different story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but maybe overrated and, and a thief. Definitely a thief. Maybe overrated. Definitely a thief. But when I'm talking just the rhythm section, yeah. you know, John Paul Jones, John gets Paul Jones, o- yeah. he gets yeah. overlooked because yeah. he's in the shadow of yeah. Robert Plant and Jimmy Page and John Bonham. But yeah. literally, the way John Bonham and and and, uh, and John Paul Jones work together, and yeah. and the thing about there's just so many drummers I listen to, and I'm like, nope, yeah. never going to be able to do that. Yeah. And even the stuff from John Bottom, just a sidebar that kind of yeah. sounds simple-ish, yeah. like when the levy breaks, yeah. you listen to that song and it doesn't sound like a hard song to play. He doesn't do many changes. He doesn't do many tempo, you know, variations, but he is the king of these, what what are known as ghost notes. Yeah, yeah. Like like these half notes and it's like, it's, it's a kind of a foot pause, yeah. but it's not. You know, but it, it's not a pause, but it's really subtle. And as far as the who goes, you know, John Etwistle, if you don't like the who, and yeah. again, you, you're talking Daltrey, yeah. who's just, yeah. uh, you know, up there. You're, yeah. you're talking Pete Townsend beyond legendary yeah. status. Yeah. And of course, Keith Moon. Yeah. But John Etwistle, to, to put it in, in your terms and in yeah. my terms, yeah. when when you watch that, the, the history of hockey the that the CBC did 20 years ago. And you see the other players talk about the greats, you know, yeah. when they're sitting around talking about Bobby Orr and it's like, it's all his guys who he fought with and played against. And the, if you ever talk to bass players and I'm talking the bass players of that era and right, bass right. players past at whistle, everybody yeah, will tell absolutely. you. Yeah. He like Pete Townsend can't go on those tangents and yep. Keith Moon can't do the shit that he does. Yep. If at whistle isn't just, you know, but again, w- when you're talking, the lead singers always get yep. the credit, yep. the guitar is sexy, the drums are everything. Uh, but, but, but yeah. those are the three. So yeah, I, I think foundationally speaking though, I would also throw in black Sabbath in there. I yeah. think, the, I think the Aussie part of it is somewhat overrated, but if you listen to what geezer Butler did as a basic player, and then obviously that, those two combined, uh, and I don't think that I don't I don't think that Bill Ward, the drummer, is a guy that really need would ever be considered for this Mount Rushmore ish kind of a scenario. But as a as a whole package, there was a foundational um, uh, a thing that they established, you know, for a genre. So, and then maybe a little bit later on down the line, arguably, I would kind of put the police in there, right? Because you oh. know that that rhythm section it's 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 amazing how like i saw them way later after they reunited because they were basically done by the time i uh, came to la so i never got to see them but that it's just amazing how you know you know you know in the groove that rhythm section isn't like i was more impressed with the fact that you know like i was never a big sting guy but the f- how well that work, you know, those two work together within the framework of their songs was actually, you know, that's pretty impressive. So. I mean, and, and the thing is, they're both uh, essentially studio musicians can right. do every kind of music and every kind yeah. of genre and they can play fast. They can play slow, completely different ways that they came yeah. at music. Yeah. But just just yeah. I mean, you know, they're they're an amazing drummer an amazing yep. bass player on different paths who found a way to make just four fucking yep. unreal yep. albums. Yeah. Just unreal albums. So wait, so wait, so which is the one that sucks? 
Well, what, there's there's Outlandos Diamore, yeah, Senyata Mandata, Ghost in the Machine, Synchronicity, and Regatta the Blank doesn't. Regatta the Blank five. Duh, duh. Right, right. Why yeah, no, do five. I have to correct you on this? This is um, not even my real and, music. And, and the funny thing is, I like each album. I love all five albums, but I like each one a little less. And it's funny. Um, another band I'm going to mention, yeah. our friend Hafen, yeah. loves the same band, but in reverse. He thinks he got better with every album. I'm like, but anyways. So- I actually like Ghost in the Machine the best. I don't know why, but I really like that album the best. Yeah, that's a fun. There's a great documentary about them recording that album. I think they were like down in Jamaica and stuff. Yeah. So before I I got like three honorable mentions before I get into my top four. But why don't you tell me some of your honorable mentions if you have some? Sure. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to start off with, you know, with a studio guy, um, uh, Jeff Procaro. I don't know if you know who that is. He's the uh, drummer for Toto. Yes. Yes. Toto obviously is, you know. Classic yacht, yacht rock stuff, but man, those guys, I mean, you know, they're the, they were, they did so much studio work. I mean, they were the the backing band behind, you know, all, like all those Rand, uh, Randy Newman albums, all the Michael Jackson, you know, albums, you know, they're, they're just, you know, that whole band was just, you know, they were, they were all over the place, but obviously he's really famous for the, you know, what's known uh, as the Rosanna Shuffle. And if you listen to the breakdown of that Rosanna shuffle, it's just like, yeah, that's something, you know, know, it's been analyzed by other people, but there actually is a video of Porcaro himself talking about how he got to it. So, and obviously I'm not a drummer, so I'm not going to bother explaining it, but you know, that's, you know, no, it's, it's, I've seen amazing drummers like, Oh, who's the guy for Dave, Dave, Dave girl. I saw Dave girl talking to the Foo Fighters drummer. Oh, oh uh, you're talking about um, uh, what's it, uh, Hawkins? Hawkins, and the two of them talking yeah. about yeah, how many not hours but just weeks yeah. they tried. <laughs> I mean, these are the yeah. best of the best yeah. drummers out yeah. there in the last yeah. twenty years, you know, and, and they're like, yeah, fucking dude, I can't do that, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know. So, um, and Stuart Copeland, obviously, we already talked about him. Uh, the other guy that's in a, in one of those foundational bands that we probably should have talked about is um, is Ginger Baker and oh, yeah. Cream, right? I mean, that um, I, I I consider most of what Eric Clapton to be you know, pretty much overrated, stolen garbage. But Cream was like pretty amazing stuff. But that I think that was not because of Eric Clapton. He helped a lot, but I think there's a lot of other elements in there. Him and uh, Jack Bruce are just absolute monsters. Uh, it's too bad that they hated each other. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to go into kind of the more geek areas. And so I have like a, a few drummers in these kind of the prog rock area, which is uh, uh, Carl Palmer from uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, um, you know, and it's, it's for the, uh, all the geek guys. Uh, there's a guy named Mike Portnoy, who is um, a prog rock drummer for Dream Theater. Yeah. <laughs> and the third guy is a guy who I'm sure you've never heard of, but there's a guy named Marco Miniman who does some of the wackiest, wackiest weird time stuff that I've ever seen. And he actually auditioned for dream theater after Mark, Mike Portnoy left. Uh, but you know, it was one of those deals where he just kind of did it just to do it kind of a thing. And then the last guy I'll throw out in there, because I think he was kind of one of those, one of the earlier, one of those, hard rock drum heroes um, is uh, Carmine Apice. It's supposed to be called Apathy, I think is the proper pronunciation, but I think he goes by Carmine Apice. Um, 
you know, uh, Vanilla Fudge. He was in the Rod Stewart's band. He we did a short stint with like Ozzy, among other things. So uh, he also did a stint with uh, Ted Nugent, I want to say. But there's a lot of guys in though in that you know kind of vein, you know, and you know even maybe you could even include somebody like Tommy Lee in that league in terms of a guy who kind of had this you know, you know, bigger than life personality, you know, kind of bringing the drummer out front because the drummer usually was the guy that nobody knew the name of, right? So you know, those are some of the guys where they kind of put themselves up front. So I think those, that's my honorable mention. No, those are great. You know, I, I I thought you'd be hitting me with some rhythm sections from you know Japanese. Uh, uh, again, the baby metal kind. Yeah, of I'm not going to do that. I mean, there's plenty of great drummers, but you know what? I mean, yeah. No. But but what about rhythm sections? Like not just the drummers. Like yeah, Dream Theater is all yeah. Because you could talk about like the Wrecking Crew when you talk about you know like like how Toto was a backing band and, and right, then there's right. these you know great things. But I was specifically looking like, you know, the tandem, like, you know, the, the, the greatest who's the greatest quarterback wide receiver, who's the greatest defensive pairing. So who is the greatest, you know, in this case, the, the, the greatest pairing of like just a bass player and a drummer who just held it together. You know, not and again, you could say you could make this. Oh, so is that what you're doing? Because I did, I did drummers and bassists as separate, separate entities. See, I did it, I did them as rhythm sections, oh, but that's okay. okay. But but the thing is, you could like you know with Keith Moon, you know, and 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 John at Whistle, you can make an argument for both of those, and that's why that's why sure. when I was looking at it, like yeah. okay, when you're looking at the best rhythm section, Hendrix is amazing and does amazing things, but it was truly those two guys that really helped him get to where he went or took everybody for the ride. Same thing with like Zeppelin, although plant and page get all the credit, you know, honestly, Bonham and, 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 and um, John Paul Jones, just what they laying the track and laying the framework, which, you know, you know, page could go off of and then find his way home to, because they were just so amazingly solid and different. So that's how I was looking at, it. but, but no saying individuals is, yeah, is, is more yeah. than great, but that's why, like I said, so my honorable mentions, and this is where, you know, uh, one band, um, and I, I know I've made you listen to them and, and I won't apologize, but they're called <laughs> archers of loaf and their lineup from like 90 to 95. They put out a few albums where there's sometimes it's just such bass drum driven music and you know that that pairing uh i'm trying to think of the guy's name matt gentling and i want to say mark price were just i i mean when i go back and listen to them sometimes you know it's funny because the boys my my little guys now play piano and and guitar and being able to spot bass sometimes is an acquired skill. You know what I mean? It, you know, sometimes it, it basically, it, it, it kind of is the glue that holds the puzzle pieces together, but there's just some times where I'll like just turn bass up or just turn, you know, mess with the settings a little bit. I'm like, you guys have to listen to this. You guys just, you know, and, and more often than not, I get the, well, I can hear it, but why is my right arm trembling like this? I'm like, right, that's that's what he's doing. Um, honestly, selfishly, you know, I I got to be in a band with this guy, John, for a few years before, you know, he left and formed his own band and then went down to Austin when I, when I came out to L.A. And when I go back and listen to the hundred songs that, you know, I've recorded as a drummer in my band, like probably the 
six, seven best musical songs, not, not best lyric, not best songs, but are the songs where he just literally kicked such amazing ass playing bass. And then my honorable mention before I get into my, my, my big four is his band, Silver Scooter. Uh, they were on Sony. They were an Austin band in the late, the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, you know, I, I played a clip of them. I played their song long fences going out of last week's show, but Again, it's like the drummer in that band is really good. He's not this, wow, jaw-dropping Stuart Copeland guy, but his tempo changes, his time signatures, and conjunction with what John does on a bass, it really, you know, that's why they wound up, you know, going from Austin to Japan and doing so well. Um, You know, and and then like most other bands, it's personality shit that, (laughs) you know, you know basically uh too many bands too many great bands basically derailing the you know the personality yeah just like a hundred other bands thousands Uh, other bands you know and and, and again and now you know john looks back and he's like we have so many conversations he's like i have no idea why i felt i had to leave beyond it to go to a different band instead of staying in both. Cause a lot of people do that. And I really messed up and I'm like, because he did like we, well, we did like, it was really sure. Re- I mean, anyways, before I get to, before it becomes a self-indulgent theater. Yeah. Um, okay. Give me your four either drummers, bass players, and I'm going to give you my favorite rhythm sections. Well, how are we going to do this? Because um, um, we're going to, so the reason why I did this was uh, here's the interesting part. I wanted okay. to go drummer and bass player because, okay. first of all, you know I wanted to see wh- which which one you wanted to do first because one of the ground rules was that we each get one veto. Okay, ah, that okay. means that means that and we you know we so from from your drummers list, okay, you get you get one automatically in from my drummers list. I get to enter one automatically, and we specify those first. And then we do the same for the bass players, okay? But within the entire conversation today, we each get to veto one suggestion that another makes where we said, you know what? We're not talking about this guy anymore. But we that has to be one of the drummers or one of the bass players. So once, if you, so here's where it kind of gets, um, you know, hinky, where if we go with a drummer first, right? And if I use up a veto during the drum section, and then somebody ah. horrifying comes up in the bass section. I've lost my veto already. So it's like a challenge. So okay. I get one challenge. So we'll do that. You know, so you want to, you want to take a, you want to take a minute to. Um, uh, no, I, well, I, I will take a minute because I did my homework mm-hmm. based on my favorite rhythm sections. I want to yeah. throw, I want to throw out the four bands that if I had, if I was to put yeah. rhythm sections yeah. of bands, on Mount Rushmore, yeah, they would be the following: the Talking Heads rhythm section. Yeah, very uh, good one. Yeah, yeah, drummer Chris Frank yep. and yep. his wife Tina, uh, Tina Wayman. Yep. And it's funny because I remember the last FNH cookout yep. that you were able to have pre-COVID. Yeah, we I was talking to uh, to Stuber, yeah, and he started getting into playing bass, and I guess he had tried to play some Talking Head stuff, yeah. and he's like. I don't know what the fuck they're doing, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I mean, and again, because David Byrne is David Byrne, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, uh, that gets overlooked. Um, same thing. The Pixies, uh, Kim Deal and yeah. Joe uh, and uh, Dave Lovering. Uh-huh. 
I mean, one of the other bands I have, they get lumped in together. And, and I'll, I'll just say the other band is the Velvet Underground. And, and what they used to say about the Velvet Underground, they ended up 20 years later saying about the Pixies. Not a lot of people bought their albums when they first came out, but everybody who bought their albums started a band and and I, I won't get into when I you know with, with the Velvet Underground and they're on my list but but I'll, I'll, I'll stay with the Pixies for a second seriously there are five albums you know a, a, as those two as the rhythm section and then what Kim Deal went on to do with the Breeders unarguably the most influential band <clears throat> of the you know th they started in the alternative rock new wave era they were kind of the precursor to grunge they they were in that you know their first two yeah. three albums came out between, yeah. but there isn't a grunge alt rock indie rock band who came out after 1990 who doesn't say oh my top my my top favorite four bands and even if they're on different sides of spectrum even if they're more pop or or, or more I see or so more this punk. is where you go into your universe again because you say most influential so you're gonna well, tell no, me no, that no 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 i quantified it in that realm in in, in, in the realm uh, okay. of in the realm of okay, alternative fine. rock grunge okay but fine. but any band that's come since then will will we'll point to those guys um and same thing you two larry moen jr and adam clayton are the two most unheralded members of the most heralded band in the last 50 years but seriously larry moen's style of drumming is him and the guy from Buffalo Tama, the two guys I borrowed from the most when I was learning how to play the drums. But seriously, when you see documentaries with The Edge talking about how he's a good guitar player, he's he's, he's not. But he's the first to say that. He's the first to come out and he says there's a great documentary called yeah. It Might Get Loud. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. I don't and, know why he was even in there. You know, and, I watched it. Right. And and he's and he's and so you saw he's really honest. He goes, yeah, how, how the streets play, how the streets have no name. It's the easiest song. It's these two chords. I yeah. run it through this. And this yeah. is the sound I get. When I think about great guitarist, I put him in the great guitarist thing because I love his sound. He has such a signature sound. You know, it's a U2 sound because of him, all of them. Like if the first three notes are. Are, are, are on bass. I know it's Adam Clayton. If the drums, if it starts off with the drums, I know right away, like they each have their distinctive way, but that's why it's my rhythm section. And then honestly, the, the third drummer that I borrowed from the most when I learned to play the drums and we had a song on our first record called Mo in honor of, you know, Maureen Tucker, Mo Tucker from the Velvet Underground. Um, Mo Tucker and John Cale that rhythm section for again one of the, they're one of those bands that you know a lot of people didn't know when they were out a lot of people didn't buy their albums when they first came out but it's hard to find a band through the 70s or the 80s in rock and and all kinds of forms of music new wave pop you know that became grunge that don't say what an influence Maureen Tucker was in the yeah. drumming and, and 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 John Cale is just just a musician's musician so that's mine okay now thank you for indulging me uh now well, lou reed is absolute garbage i will say right now lou reed is garbage is singing or guitar playing or songwriting i don't i can't say for the songwriting because i think all their songs suck but 
Um, so I guess there's some must be something about his songwriting that appeals to people. So I'm not going to judge that. But his singing and his guitar playing are garbage. Yeah. But then again, you know, you, you could make that argument about so many bands, but that band is one of the most influential bands. Not, in questioning, music. Any, not questioning any of that. You know what's you know what the, the thing that's really annoying about the Velvet Underground fans, though? So many of those guys are telling me about how great this music is and telling me about this is how you play a guitar. And it's like, no, this is garbage. You just like this stuff. You have no idea what you're talking about. This is a garbage guitar solo. He should just skip the solo and just did some kind of a rhythmic bridge and then go on to the next next verse. It's his guitars. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the great thing about them for me is they just did music in such a different way you know they just took you know their songs like it's called the gift on um oh white light white heat is the album anyway i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole yeah. biff why don't we start out with drummer who, who, who are you putting up for your drummer my four drummers okay so uh, one of them we already mentioned uh john bonham uh led zeppelin right it's kind of i i just think uh just the foundation i mean all from that early modern rock era i don't think that uh, there is a more important drummer and maybe arguably more important most important drummer uh just kind of almost ever also and my list is alphabetical so it's it's actually you know enough enough you know i'm going to jump all over the place uh the second guy i'm going to mention is a guy you probably never heard of is a guy named dave lombardo yeah the no. re- okay and the reason why i put him in there is is that uh you know just like you'll no doubt have your you know the chick from velvet underground this guy's drumming has basically established a drumming for an entire branch of, of hard rock and heavy metal. I mean, this is, you know, his power double bass, that whole thrash drumming is the foundation for an entire, you know, multiple genres of music. So for that, you know, for that reason, he's in there. Um, the next one is Neil Peart because he's freaking Neil Peart, you know, right? And so arguably, if you're going to tell me, you know, rhythm section, you know, you know, Zeppelin and, you know, Rush probably would have been in there along with, for me, uh, uh, Cream and um, and uh, the police would probably be likely be my four if you were going to go that route. But anyway, so which means completely different list. What a shock. Uh, the fourth guy I have is a guy that I put in there because he's a drummer I like. And there's a guy named Cozy Powell, yeah. who's not a. He's a very good drummer. I don't think he's, uh, you know, but he's just been all over the place. Uh, Jeff Beck group, uh, you know, all these hard rock um, bands, uh, White Snake, Gary Moore, uh, Rainbow. Uh, so he's just a guy that has been all on a bunch of these bands that I like a lot. So those are my four. Dude, I, I it's hard to say. I mean, because it's hard to whittle it down to four because, yeah, Bottom, Neil Peart, yeah. I mean, Stuart Copeland, fuck. I, you know, so when I think of my list, I think yeah. of it a, a little differently. I think yeah. of it as, you know, the guys that I ripped off the most. Okay. You know, sure. I, I, the guys that I emulated. I, I mean, because, you know, when I get to college, I didn't play anything. And, you know, life threw a couple curveballs my way. And, and hockey, the, the road for hockey came to an abrupt halt. And I had to take my absolute anger and, and everything. And, you know, I, I, luckily I fell into, you know, a band, met a couple of guys who, and, and I just put on headphones and it's like, these are the bands I like, but then I started listening to things differently. Um, 
the the only two bands, the only two people that I, you're right, three people like Mo Tucker from the Velvet Underground would be on my list. Okay. Uh, you know, somebody you don't know, but you know the band, uh, Tom McGinnis from Buffalo Tom. Uh, and for me, Larry Moen Jr. And, and and I'm not saying that Larry Moen Jr. could carry, you know, Stu Copeland's bass pedal around. He can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, Neil, like, yeah, of course, Neil Peart is just like, that's a like, yes, of course, he's on the list. We don't have to discuss that. Same with John Bonham. But for me, you know, the list would be, you know, Mo Tucker, Tom McGinnis, Larry Moen Jr. But if from that one, from the group that you have, gosh, I mean, I love Keith Moon, but that John Bottom's style and just the big bass drum sound, like, like just right. close your eyes and you just yeah. pick the, the bass drum. I, I, I've yeah. never seen a bigger bass drum yeah. in my life. And somebody who just knew how to fucking beat the shit out of that. It just, or not beat the shit out of it, but just do these weird off, you know, off timing, you know, foot things that I, I listened to today. I, you know, it was just the other day I put the heads on and I'm playing when the levy breaks. And if I was scoring myself on the, like the rock band version of it, I'd be like, yeah, it was probably 75 to 82, but it's that goddamn half note foot thing that he does in the middle of a pregnant pause. It's like, fuck you for being so good. You know, it sounds simple, but it ain't. Well, but he, you know, and he, and he does so many of these. Like, I mean, if you talk about like a song like you know, "A Fool in the Ring," which is like like nothing else that they've really done. But if you look at his drumming, there, you know, I don't know what what led them to do that song. Period. But you know, you know, you know, there's a lot of these funky, you know, jazzish, you know, stuff in there. I mean, I I think obviously he's known a lot because his you know drums you know sound sound big, right? But then it's all that stuff that, you know, you kind of catch on. But as a non-drummer, I don't understand. It's like, yeah, that's yeah, that's not like a rock drum, you know. So, OK, so wait, who's your fourth? I got Mo Tucker, Tom McGinnis, Larry Mullen Jr. And who's your fourth? I'm going to throw on Bonham. What? It would have to Bonham. It would have to be John. OK. Bonham. All right. So we got Bonham as an agreement. So we'll put him in on automatically. Right. So he gets a, a virtual buy because he got you know, we agreed on that. So what, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and throw him in. Uh, so um, go ahead and pick the one person that you'll put in automatically. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Tom McGinnis. Tom McGinnis. All right. Buffalo Tom. All right. All right, and I'm going to pick I'm going to pick Cozy Powell because he's my favorite drummer and I'm just going to fucking put him in. He's not the guy that should be in there among the list, but I'm going to put him in anyway. So, among the other ones, um between Larry Mullen and Mo Tucker, who do you want to push first? Uh gosh, I, I didn't have a song dedicated to Larry Moan Jr. on one of our albums, but I, I, I'd have to take him because of his body of work. You know, yeah. for, for, I mean, 40 years, dude, the band's uh, actually more than 40 years. The band's been together since like 77, sure. you know, 77, 78. And how he's changed with music, how he's helped change music, right. you know, it's just 
you know, a guy who's been killing it for that long, you know, I, I would definitely, you know, I, no, no disrespect. Uh, funny thing, Mo Tucker, you know, to be a female drummer in, in a rock band in the 60s. And she was a stand up yeah. drummer, by the way. She's but played standing. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, but, you but know, yeah, yeah. But, but I would have to kick her to the curve. But do you think that it's going to be, do you, can you really argue that, you know, we should be putting Larry Mullen Jr. over Neil Peart? Because no, I, no, I can't. <laughs> but depends on what, depends on what, I mean, if, if I was on a desert island, I could only listen to Neil Peart or Larry Mullen. I take Larry Mullen. Sure. Uh, because I can tap along and keep up with Larry <laughs> Mullen Jr. <laughs> I, I mean, for Christ's sakes, uh, you know, and again, like same thing, same thing. You know, Neil Peart wasn't great on an album or a song or a greatest. I mean, we're talking how many albums, how many decades yeah. of just awesomeness. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's, it, you know, it's almost like, you know. I mean, I would, can you arguably say that, I mean, Larry Mullen Jr. is more influential than Neil Peart? Neil Peart? And this, in some senses, yes, because. Just so, overall, just just flat out within within the world of music. Yes, because and here's my reasoning. I, it, 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 uh, I think you're wrong. I no, think no, no, you're no, no, wrong. no. Give me a second. Give me a second to put it to give me a second to put it in, in, in terms that we can both understand. Um, I'm going to say. I'm going to say. Uh, uh, it, it's like this. It's like if 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 Neil Peart is Wayne Gretzky. And, and, you know, uh, a Larry Moen Jr. is like a Jeff Carter. More guys can model their game after Jeff Carter, you know, and make it to the NHL. More people can yeah, model yeah. their game around him. Yeah, so that's more, nice. so, so I mean, more, so, so like, it, it's not fair to say, you know, Hey, this guy who played in the NHL for 15 years and is a great team captain. And, and, you know, and you, you, you can, you can look at him and say, I want to play like him. I want to be like him. You look at Gretzky highlights and you just, you, you, all you can do is look at him. So, so Larry Mullen Jr. probably influenced a lot more people yeah, who no, started I, bands. I, I, think, I, think, I think that's a garbage <laughs> argument. I think basically we're talking about how many, how many kids do you think said, you know what? I want to be Neil Peart and I'm going to buy Pearl drum set because I want to be like Neil Peart. I mean, how many people did that with Larry Mullen Jr. compared to say Neil Peart? Right. I mean, really, this is what I'm talking about in terms of, you know, who was influential. Right. I mean, I get it in terms of once you get into it, I said, you know what? I could be like that guy. I get that argument. Right. But when it comes down to it, really, I mean, more than more than, no, you know, I mean, appeared. not not no, because, no. you know, because we look at it in different ways. But honestly, you can look at you can you can name 10 drummers yeah. who came out after like 1985 1990 after streets have no name uh -huh. who really borrowed stuff from from them sure, you know sure. who are in that album. dude you can't put anybody in neil Peart's category except you know well, i don't know well, not, as a, not as a groundbreaker but there's a plenty of people you know who will play his stuff like my aforementioned you know mike portnoy is is you know basically that band, you know, bunch, bunch of like, you know, Boston, well, not all of them from Boston, but a bunch of guys at Berkeley Music who, instead of doing jazz music, they were doing Rush covers. That's how. Right. right. But, started. That, but then again, that's what you're there. Yeah. You just said it right there. Ninety. I, I, 
I only know one band from Berkeley who made it. I know a lot of Berkeley musicians who are yeah. such better musicians, yeah. such better classically trained, awesome musicians. They don't make good bands. You know, I'm not Neil Purtis, you know, yeah. is, is, is the exception and all those guys. But generally speaking, yeah, I, I really think a Larry Mullen Jr. is somebody who's more people can listen to and say, yeah, I want to play like that. I want to be in a band like that. You just listen to Neil Peart and it's, it's the same thing. I it's mean, like what you effectively said earlier with your argument is, is that if you're going to do a Mount Rushmore of hockey, I'm going to put Jeff Carter in there instead of Wayne Gretzky. That's what you effectively have argued. I think your argument really tells me that Neil Peart is the more important one. And, you know, and the funny thing is I say this, I objectively, you know, I would prefer to put Dave Lombardo in the list because he is so much more important to the stuff that I really, really like to listen to. But I can't argue the fact, there is no way I can argue the fact that Neil Peart is one of the just flat out the, one of the most important, you know, drummers in rock music period. But here's the thing. I, I, I love Rush, but I don't listen to a ton of it. And sometimes it's yeah. just a little too much. It's like, yeah, I, he, I, he does I this great five. He, in, he, I am actually in hundred percent agreement with you. But, but I like I, I, I like right now, I can listen to Red Barchetta and I can listen to in through the, you know, a couple of their albums. But honestly, if if I'm doing a workout and, the, you know, the music's on shuffle. Yeah. Sometimes I just fast forward through it. Like there's nothing but that's going to come out, then, on, you know, but I mean that that, you know, that kind of an argument. Right. You're just you know, we're kind of like, you know, going. So because but there I'm going is never what I love and, and, yeah, and my right. round mush and yeah. my Mount Rushmore. Yeah. If, yeah. if if I'm looking up to the people who inspire me that I love. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking up at Larry Moen Jr. And Neil Peart is amazing, but he's not the guy that I'm saying. Yeah, he's who I want to listen to most. Sure. Yeah. But I'm just, you know, so, so still like there, there hasn't, there hasn't, you haven't made a compelling argument as to why Larry Mullen deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore more than Neil Peart, except for the fact that say, I like him better. Yeah, that's, that's it. where we're at. That's it. That's, you know, and, 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 and because that's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the official rule book. No, there's nothing in the rule book that says an elephant can't pitch. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. You know, but so, yeah, no, if you want to put them up, I'm not going to make an argument. I'm not going to say that's a veto. I'm not going to put them up there. But I'm just saying, like, you know, my 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 top four, he he's not in there, you know, but but I understand your thinking and I wouldn't I wouldn't fight it. You wouldn't fight it. I, I take Bonham over him for sure. You know, just oh, yeah, for no. well, we both so have many Bonham, different right? things. Yeah. Right. Right. So. All right. So are we settled on at least Neil Peart being on this list? Correct. Yes. Okay. So we'll move on to the bass player. Who and we got? have not used our yeah. vetoes yet. Who do you got? Bass players. Yeah. So bass player, a couple, uh, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, two of these guys earlier. Um, <clears throat> and so first one is Jack Bruce. I think, uh, once again, all, all in alphabetical order. And we got, a, I got three B's in a row. So here we go. Uh, Jack Bruce. Uh, we talked about cream. Uh, Cliff Burton uh, from Metallica and super short discography, um, you know, four albums. But I, you know, um, in, in terms of influence in the hard rock area, you know, he's huge. Um, and then Geezer Butler, aforementioned Geezer Butler, just because, you know, foundationally speaking, um, I thought he was really important. And then uh, Billy Sheehan, who is one of those, you know, kind of the, he's kind of like the, the bass wanker. You know, so I kind of looked at it in largely in terms of it, and it ended up being 
somewhat, uh, you know, well, this is definitely hard rock heavy. Uh, I did have other considerations, though, because I don't think we went through um, some of the other um, honorable mentions. So I, I guess I'll mention them here. And I'll start with a guy that you've probably not you've heard of. And so we could just get over with is John Young, who is the uh, bass player for Dream Theater, another Berkeley guy. Excellent player, but, you know, one of those, you know, geek bass players. Um, you know, I think Paul McCartney is kind of an understated bass player. Yes, yes, you know? yes, and yes. So I, I actually had him on my honorable mention. Um, two guys that you may not expect me to have, but I thought these guys, these two guys are outstanding players. Uh, one is Les Claypool from Primus. Yep. Just some lots of weird stuff that he does on the bass. And then Flea from Red Hot yeah, Chili Peppers. It's on my list. Yeah, Red Hot. I mean, I, I think I think Flea is a guy who is. Um, I think Red Hot Chili Peppers overall as a band is somewhat overrated, but Flea is underrated. That's kind of my feeling on it. Um, and then, okay. Yeah, and then yeah. I have three other guys from my um, my uh, area of music: uh, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, who. Before I heard uh, Billy Sheehan, I thought was the greatest, you know, bassist ever. And then I heard Billy Sheehan and I said, oh, never mind. Um, a guy named Glenn Hughes, uh, who's done Deep Purple and a lot of other stuff. Uh, also a great singer. <clears throat> and then the last one is Lemmy, who uh, this kind of goes back to some of the stuff you said earlier. There is a very distinct playing style to uh, Lemmy's bass playing and also his tone that just kind of really unmistakable and obviously his voice is unmistakable but he kind of plays bass almost like a rhythm guitar in many ways so um so i i those that's my honorable mention list so i i don't have an honorable mention list i just got my list and the you know i thought about les claypool but again i put him for me just in the neil pert thing where it's just like yeah absolutely amazing but I can only listen to so much of it, even though I like it when I listen yeah. to it. It's like, yeah, but <clears throat> my, my four, my four is the following flea. Yep. And I agree up until uh, Mother's Milk, up until the album. And I yeah. think Mother's Milk was their fourth album, maybe yeah. their fifth album. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers fucking killed it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, socks on their cocks absolutely you know the abbey road ep yeah. uh just killed it killed it killed it any you know, and then once uh californication or i'm trying to think of the name of their song that came yeah. out you know everything after that they were just a different band and i think you know whether it's a sobering up and x number of you know drummers you know well you I know think guitar Freshante, players have died. Uh, going from Freshante to navarro i think changed them a little bit too so and so up up to them, but either way, I mean, yeah. Flea is Flea. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. he's you know, w w when you got one name and everybody knows it, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, name share. name. I, thank you. The name that I I don't think will shock you that I have on my list is Ad Rock from the Beastie Boys. Okay, yeah. Um, again, the Beastie Boys, and I just implore you if you like rock documentaries, it, it was on Apple TV Plus. I don't <clears> know what it's on. But they they did a they there was an amazing amazing it's a stage show it's it's the two remaining mm -hmm. members right. walking through their history and it it's it's really um dude they put it all out there like like it's emotional it's hilarious right. but at rock 
especially, you know, I mean, they they learned to play their instruments after their first album. And, you know, well, <laughs> right. well, well, that's not 100 percent true. They were a punk band before that. They were a speed metal punk band before that. Yeah. Their first album was what it was. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they went back to playing musician. And some of the stuff that he's done just on the bass, honestly, give me a better baseline and rock music in yeah. the last 20 years and sabotage yeah. like that bass and sabotage it just has no right being that fucking awesome um and then and then the next two i'm not kidding when i say this you're gonna laugh i expect okay. you to laugh okay i can't believe this is coming out of my mouth okay john taylor of duran duran yeah uh, um, good bass player yep management a few years ago i was talking to like yeah he's good but i don't know she ended up doing a little research and sending me yeah. isolated yeah. um you know people you know people yeah. who have access to this have gone in and isolated i'll post it the isolated yeah. bass track to rio holy yeah. fucking shit and then over the pandemic he was giving free bass lessons. One nice. of the greatest bass places. Out. And, and he's using these terms. He's like, okay, I sometimes play the song like this, but then yep. there's this thing called syncopation. Yep. And, and it makes it sound like this. And that's how yeah. you take this. And, and my head's like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't remember applying for Berkeley, but yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. I think he's definitely, uh, you know, hugely underrated. Right. And, if, and I think it was more noticeable to me when he did power station. Right. You know, I think within that framework, I think, uh, and you know, nothing against Andy Taylor, but I maybe you know, was it uh Bernard Shaw? Is that his name? No, no, that's the uh, a news anchor, but um, the uh, but the drummer that they had for, for the power station, uh, I think he came from Chic. I maybe he was just a better, you know, Fit, stylistically right? something, you know, you know, that's what he wanted to play, but yeah, absolutely, yeah, and and again, he's one of those bass players who wait the bass player and the singer are the two most popular ones in the band and yeah. and by far you know and john taylor and he is he's renowned in bass playing yeah. circles by people who just look at him and honestly the ba the next bass player i've already mentioned him and it sounds like oh it's just your buddy i would i really have had the honor or like are there better guitarists than my friend Dan? Sure. I do not know, and I never will know a better lyricist in my life. And I've been lucky to be in a band with him forever. And, and John, my John Hunt, um, he now has a band called Decade Show. Um, his last band, Five Head, has probably put out two of my it, like my top 10 favorite albums are from his and he plays guitar in the fucking he sings and plays guitar in those bands but as a bass player and and what he's done and you know our band and silver scooter and other bands along the way i honestly it's one of those things it's like wait a minute it's like how did i get to be in a band with somebody who writes as good and plays that well and and i'm hoping that by playing really, really fast, it makes up for not being really, really good. But those are my four flea, John Taylor, uh, you know, John Hunt and at rock from uh, the beastie boys. John Hunt is your friend's name. John Hunt. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about ad rock first, because according to the Wikipedia, he played guitar and Adam Yawk played, uh, I mean, he played guitar and Adam Yawk played bass. Yeah. That's what yeah. At rock. Ad oh, rock I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Right. Right. Sorry. I, I'm right. We're talking about Adam Yacht. Okay. I, I, right. 
and, <laughs> okay. and, and, and again, the baseline, MCA. okay. The baseline to, to, if it was only that one song, it's not that one song, yeah. but if it was only the song yeah. sabotage, I'd have them on my list. Sure. Okay. MCA. So, sorry. Who, sorry. Who sorry. Sorry. What are you Canadian? Um, sorry. 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 All right. Who, who, who are you? Who are you? Um, Entering as your automatic. John Hunt. John Hunt. That is a good call because you'll never, you know, we're not going to, I would have just vetoed you before you started rambling on uh, about him. Uh, I am, oh, you know what? I actually struggled with it and I thought I came to a conclusion and I still struggle with it. But I think I'm going to put my uh, put Billy Sheehan in there because he is the he is the wankerist them wankerist of them all. And you know what? I am going to make things a little bit quick this time around, and I am going to give you Flea because I had him on my honorable mention. <laughs> and, you know, I I really think you know I have no problem. You know, I mean I have hundred percent problem with John Hunt because I have not I know nothing about him. But I would have had no problems uh, with Flea being in that list. Right, right. And so, then- so I got I got Jack Bruce, Cliff Burton, Geezer Butler, Adam Yock, and John Taylor. So, uh, yeah. you want you want to you want to argue for somebody first, or you know, I'll, 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 he's probably a better bass player, John Taylor. But I like MCA, and you sure. know the Beastie yeah. Boys, the Beastie Boys. I mean. When management plays Duran Duran, uh, which isn't an everyday thing, but it's almost every, especially mm-hmm. now that they have a new album out. And yeah, they've been right, making, right. They yeah. were on like Good Morning America last week. They were on some, I think they were on Jimmy Kimmel last night. So they're great. They're great. But, dude, the Beasties are are, are just a desert island band for me. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, I, you know, I would make an argument for MCA. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, the guy that I should push is really Jack Bruce because I mean, that guy and he, you know, he actually kind of has a wide range of stuff that he had done. He had done a lot of uh, jazz stuff. Uh, he plays a fretless bass a lot of the times, you know, kind of like Sting, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, he does a lot of, you know, wacky things, but I'm going to push for Cliff Burton. Number one, because and so this is going to be interesting because now we're going to a battle of two dead guys. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about hurting somebody's feelings. If they well, you know, us. nobody, you know, people's feelings will be hurt if they actually, you know, listen to this crap. But because nobody's listening, we're hurting nobody's feelings um, except each other's. Uh, so I'm going to say Cliff Burton only because um, I, I actually personally think Metallica is somewhat of an overrated band. And I, I understand their importance at the time, but I think that a lot of their music sound really dated to me in many ways compared to, say, a band where the leader is a guy who I really, really dislike, but I really like their music, uh, Megadeth. Oh, uh, strangely enough, a guy that got kicked out of uh, Metallica for being too much of an alcoholic for Metallica. Which is but, hysterical. Yeah. So yeah, if you're, you know, if Metallica tells you you're too much of an alcoholic, you're too much of an alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I digress. No, no, no. We, yeah, I remember that. You know, when they threw out the drummer, when Slash comes to you and says, "Dude, says, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Stephen Adler, yeah, if you if you're taking too much drugs for Guns and Roses, you're taking too much drugs." Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, I think Cliff Burton basically helped to kind of redirect. Uh, metal in a direction that 
that didn't exist before. I think there that whole thrash movement essentially redirected metal in in a completely different way. And I think in some ways, what's uh, they took some of the mantle, and people hate it when I make this argument, but I think they took a lot of what was punk, and then you know the the kind of the energy and the rawness and the power that was punk was directed in metal because I think a lot of metal was at that time that kind of the big showy symphonic Iron Maiden-ish kind of stuff. Right, right. And these guys took it to a more, you know, fundamental, guttural, you know, you know, rudimentary um, thing. But Cliff Burton was a guy who within that framework had a lot of uh, uh, technique and a lot of creativity. And he just uh, kind of like Geezer Butler, he kind of turned bass into a very different instrument than it was uh, not just within the metal uh, uh, sphere, but just overall, I just think that he, you know, he, he's a guy that was a revolutionary guy and unfortunately only in four albums. So that's the guy I'm going to argue for. But, you know, and, the, and those are always my you know, kind of arguments is a, do you really like it? And B, you know, what was the significance to it? You know, yeah. it's like, cause we could, you we, we, like Les Claypool is just in a different class by himself. You know, yeah. it's just, the, the, you know, I, yeah. So I mean, flea and him kind of having a similar little thing, but yeah, whereas clip, but I, I, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna listen to something, yeah. Uh, I, oh, I can take a couple primus songs. I mean, I'll turn them way up and, and, and they're great. You know, Jerry was a race car driver and stuff. Yeah, but right. if I'm going to put on like three or four albums back to back, it's, you know, yeah. it's the first three or four, four or five, you know, flea albums with the yeah. Chili Peppers. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, so, you know, funny, funny story. Les Claypool auditioned for uh, Metallica. I don't know if you've heard that story. I did not. Yeah. Not only did he audition for Metallica, he, I think he probably, it sounded like he thought that he had a good chance to get in because he actually already knew Kirk Hammett, the uh, guitar player. I think, I think they were already friends. So he thought he had an in, but no, he actually did not make it, which was kind of unfortunate because the guy that they did let in, essentially those uh, Metallica guys basically abused and, you know, bullied and everything else, but that's a different story. Um, <clears throat> I don't have this amazingly uh, compelling Adam Yacht thing aside from, I love this guy. Can you tell me more in terms of how this guy is worthy of the Mount Rushmore? It's hard to put the Beastie Boys in a category with anybody else. And the fact that they truly, truly, uh, you know, have no peers as, as far as, oh, you know, like, look, I, I love you too, but you can say that, yeah, they're in the same class as the cure or, you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's the same thing. You can say so, so many of these bands that I like, you know, Buffalo Tom and Dinosaur right. Jr. Very similar. <clears throat> I, I don't know anybody that you could say, oh yeah, yeah. They're like the Beastie Boys and, and their okay, unique so, uh, sound, the, the yeah. uniqueness of their sound is what really does it for me. Why yeah. I think groundbreaking and, and to date, you, you know, the other two guys from the band have been like, yeah, we're not getting a third guy going on. You know, it's like we, yeah. you know, to get a studio guy who can play his stuff, but it, it ain't him playing it and it ain't the same. And yeah, we're just done, which is, which is great and sad, but I get well, it. 
I, I think I think though the 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 basic you know challenge with it, that argument is is that like I could say the same about the Beatles, but I am not putting Ringo Starr anywhere near a drummer of Mount Rushmore. So no, he did some great <clears throat> stuff. I mean, he actually. I'm not saying that he didn't, but you know, I, I mean, on one hand, I joke all the time. It's like if you can count to four, guess what? You just nailed half the Beatle catalog, but. Then there's some other stuff you listen to, like Tomorrow Never Knows, Ticket to Ride. And there's some of this just, you know, and, and it's funny. I actually saw him on an interview a few years ago. There was a couple big drummers like I don't get the pause on. I, I forget what song he was playing. And he's like, oh, well, when we recorded that, I was playing on a he's left handed. Right. And he was playing on a right handed drum. So he had oh. to turn the kid around. So it, it it was a little off for him to go from the hi hat to the ride. And that's where the half note missing note comes <laughs> from. That kind of gave it that, you know, that little panaz, that little, you know, je ne sais quoi. And um, and he's like, yeah, it wasn't anything special. It was just hard for me to you know get over there in time and get back. That's but, you know, no, he's not. You don't put him on a Mount Rushmore. Right. Of, of, you know, he 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 you know, he I, I, and again, you know, he filled in for Pete. Well, he didn't fill in. He replaced Pete Best the week before they got signed, right. you know, because Pete Best was the most popular one. And they're like, fuck, the drum is going to get all the attention. Let's get him out of town and get this guy. Ringo, anybody who fits the suit, you know. What I mean, can you count the big nose? To, you know, yeah, you, you, the lovable loser. But anyways, no, I mean, that's that's my rationale. It's like there's no band like the Beasties. His bass sound was his is, own. Is there, is there a band like Metallica? Megadeth. I I I mean I mean yeah I mean they're they're classified similarly, you know, you know but. Yeah, that's that. That's the thing. It's like so. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm not gonna say, oh, yeah, he's stylistically better. He he's more complex. He's more dynamic. I, but yeah, I don't just, think. Yeah, I love I'm, the I'm sound. Argue, yeah, I'm not gonna argue the complexity or the technical prowess thing. But I just say, as a as a pure bass player, if you th throw in Adam Yock as a bass player and just put him out there, and and considering the fact that you got his name wrong, I'm really thinking yeah. that. I'm saying no, I would because I was thinking of that documentary. It's like, yeah, at Rockin', um, and he's a fucking great drummer. Like that's a rhythm section, anyways. Um, and again, an, an underrated drummer because yeah. pe people, people, when you think the Beastie Boys, you think "Fight for Your Right" and the song. Their first album, their first album, dude. It's it changed music, but. They grew so much from that. They grew so much. Yeah, well, yeah, that first album was it was the first album, right? But yeah. I mean, it, it's the you know the later albums, right? That really you know made them great, right? That that's the stuff that you know. Yeah, I mean, that was a fun party frat boy album that they yeah. literally grew out of. And I think um, I think um, Slayer's Carrie King was in the uh, in that first video. Really, yeah. that's hysterical. Yeah, because I think they're both out of uh, is it Def Jam? Were they a Def, Def Jam? Uh, they were a Def fan? Jam fan. Yep. Right. So, yeah. So I think, you know, um, I think that's why. Right. So, uh, but like Paul's Boutique, right. That's the one that everybody kind of hails as like this, that guy, that's kind of like the pinnacle one. Right. That, so. Yeah. That that's like the turning point. Right. You know, it's like, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm happy that Flea and I got John in the list. So the other two, uh, you know, I, I I can't say these guys are better. And if you're passionate, well, who's your automatic? My well, I, I put in Billy Sheehan. Billy I Sheehan. Billy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, 
you know, I, I found you, I find you rounding out, you know, the fourth one with your beloved Metallica. Fine. Okay, cool. All right, we're done. So our, here's our list. Um, our, our drummers, John Bonham, Tom McGinnis, Cozy Powell, because I'm a jerk, and Neil Peart. And then for the bassist, John Hunt, because Jock's a jerk, uh, Billy Sheehan, Flea, and uh, Cliff Burton. Uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do... Uh... Well, well, accordion players. So, so I'll go first. Weird Al. <laughs> accordion player. I'm gonna go harp players. You know. <laughs> I will take who is Harpo Marks for five hundred. Yeah. Like um, no. All right, we will circle back and, yeah. and and maybe next week do do guitar and uh, singers. Yeah. Sure. All right, we'll talk next time. <laughs>